G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. Life, Culture and Current Events from a Biblical Perspective, 2020 on Vision. Big questions today. Questions like, who are you? What defines you? What makes you, you? Well, things have been changing very rapidly and personal identity has become something of a do-it-yourself project. Well, if you want to leave God out of your life, you are left with the idea of constructing your own identity. Well, constructing who you are is all the more difficult amidst the relationship and family breakdowns that we see far and wide, the fast pace of modern life, the rise of social media, multiple careers, even the rise of some of these anti-Christian ideologies that we've been talking about of recent times. Well, in church life, we often talk about us knowing God. So our conversation today is about our personal identity and being known by God. And our special guest, Dr. Brian Rosner, is principal of Ridley College in Melbourne, one of the nation's great theological uh, schools. His latest book is called Known by God, A Biblical Theology of Personal Identity. Now, he's coming up. He's going to be the keynote speaker giving the new college lectures at the University of New South Wales on a topic of personal identity. That's coming up on the 12th to the 14th of September. He's also going to be addressing uh, similar issues uh, in North Queensland at the North Queensland Christian Convention coming up. So look forward uh, to be able to see Brian Rosner speaking in perhaps a community near you in the coming times. But let's introduce our topic and our special guest for this hour, Dr. Brian Rosner. Welcome along to 2020. Thanks, Neil. Glad to be with you. Brian, I feel like in some ways uh, we're diving into the deep end talking about this topic, and I know you've written in-depth about it, and I'm hoping that listeners today might be able to pay a little extra closer special attention to the sorts of things we talk about, knowing that they are so foundational for our faith. Interestingly, Brian, there's more in the Bible about us knowing God than about God knowing us. How do you describe uh, this idea of us knowing God and God knowing us and, and how much the Bible talks about that? Yes, well, um, many of the listeners will have heard of J.I. Packer's famous book, Knowing God. And uh, knowing God personally is uh, one of the ways in which we do evangelism. And it's one of the great blessings of salvation in the Christian life, of course. It's the sort of thing that drives us in life, uh, makes life not futile and pointless. Uh, But on the other hand, uh, there are a good uh, 20-odd references in the Bible to being known by God, and they're at critical points in the Bible's storyline. So Abraham, uh, David, Moses, the prophet Jeremiah, and the nation Israel are all known by God. And in the New Testament, the same emphasis is put on that side of our relationship with God. For example, in Galatians 4... Paul says to the Galatian Christians, at one time you didn't know God, but now you do know God. But then he corrects himself and says, or rather, you're known by God. So even Packer in his book, 
underscores the fact that being known by God is really the foundation of our relationship with God. I was mentioning in the introduction the idea of if you wanted to turn your back on God, uh, that somehow or other you would be creating your own uh, personal identity or the idea of constructing your own identity. I guess we are seeing that more and more, aren't we, Brian, uh, as people in some sense, uh, have distanced themselves from God and therefore uh, working on all sorts of different weird and wonderful identities. What are your thoughts about the idea of being detached from God and then having different identities develop? Well, I think uh, we are seeing a shift in, in Western culture in this area of identity formation. People now form themselves from within, if you like, uh, you can see that in the uh, advice you hear everywhere to be true to yourself and follow your heart, um, which is uh, good as far as it goes, but it doesn't take you very far in the end. Um, I think uh, it's ironic that uh, we're told to be true to ourselves, but it's probably harder than ever before to know who you are. I'll give you a little analogy. Uh, in, in the past, traditional societies were like rivers, uh, you were kind of swept along and moved in a certain direction. You'd be a certain kind of person, live in a certain place, marry uh, someone nearby, have a certain occupation. But today, the world is like an ocean. You can move in any direction you like. Uh, we're, we're spoilt for choice, if you like. And uh, you've got that horrible tension where being true to yourself sounds like uh, an, uh, an ironic dig, in a sense. It, it's actually hard to be true to yourself if you don't know who you are. Interesting when you were talking about that passage in Galatians chapter 4 and Paul talking about uh, identity here because he's talking about knowing God and being known by God uh, says but now that you know God or rather are known by God as you said he says how is it that you are turning back to those weak and miserable forces interesting words that Paul uses weak and miserable forces because if you're not going to be finding your identity in God uh, you're likely to be finding weak and miserable forces. Any thoughts on that? <laughs> yeah, it doesn't sound too complimentary, does it? <laughs> uh, yes, I, I think that there's a real danger in neglecting uh, looking up to find out who you are. So we look around at our other relationships and people come to know themselves by being known by other people. Sociologists used to talk about the looking glass self. So I'd come to know myself by seeing myself reflected in the reactions of other people to me. But there's also a sense in which we look up. And it's interesting that even in Australian culture, where the census recently revealed that uh, religion is in decline, there's a good fifth, 20% of people who claim to be uh, spiritual in some sense. And it reminds me of Arthur Stace's campaign back in Sydney uh, some decades ago where he wrote the word eternity all over the footpaths. And uh, they've had the word eternity, of course, on the Sydney Harbour Bridge uh, in 2000. So there does seem to be this irrepressible urge uh, for some kind of connection with the divine, uh, with God. And that urge needs to be met if people are to have a stable and uh, satisfying sense of self. There's another little part to that verse in Galatians chapter 4. And, and as it goes on from this idea of you know how is it you're turning back to those weak and miserable forces because Paul says do you wish to be enslaved by them all over again is there something special in being known by God and knowing God that actually brings us this level of freedom as Christian believers whereas alternatives to finding our identity in God actually 
could be aligned with the idea of being enslaved? Well, well the, the alternative to, to knowing God and looking up, if you like, and being known by him in return is, is idolatry in the end. So there is this urge in every human being, uh, the Bible indicates, and I think it's uh, borne out in human experience, to look for something bigger than ourselves, to connect with something larger, to have a sense of awe. And the problem is, of course, uh, there are alternatives to connecting with the true and living God, and those things end up being idols. And in the Bible's perspective, idols are gods that fail. They end up demeaning and disappointing those who worship them. There is a sense, isn't there, Brian, uh, that we used to think of teenagers uh, finding their own identity outside of their own family and making a way in the world. Uh, But it's a little bit different now because everybody who is detached from this, even this Christian heritage that we have in Australia, detached from the idea that God is God, uh, that somehow or other these identities are being formed in all sorts of strange ways. Yeah, yes, I think that's true. And uh, it, it, it's a confusing time to be in. There's no doubt about that. So how do we get back to uh, an appreciation of what the Bible teaches about our identity in God? Uh, how do you reflect on, is there an easy way to talk about this? I know this is a, a complicated uh, topic. Is there an easy way to talk about the sorts of issues that we need to think about as Christian believers today uh, in this idea of knowing God and him knowing us? Well, I think the first thing to say is we've got to be careful not to think when we talk about being known by God, we're simply saying that God knows all about us and is always with us at all times. God's omnipresence, if you like, his omniscience. Um, That's true of all human beings, but there is a sense in which God, God only knows personally and intimately in a relational sense those who come to faith in Jesus. So, Uh, At the last judgment scenes in the Synoptic Gospels, Jesus will say to those who are condemned, I never knew you. The next thing to realize is that that personal relational knowledge is probably best compared to a child and their parent. So in the Galatians 4 text we were just talking about, in the previous context, it's all about the doctrine of adoption, that when we come to faith, we're adopted into God's family, and then God knows us as his children. And coming back to human experience... It's certainly the case that parents, in one sense, give their children their identity by knowing them. They name them, uh, they uh, give them their earliest experiences, they know uh, what they're like, and uh, um, in, in every sense there's this personal, intimate knowledge. And in that, that's the sense in which God gives us our identity, as a, as a father or as a, as a mother knows their child. So uh, when we hear of Jesus in John chapter 10 uh, saying, I know my sheep, they listen to my voice, uh, there's something here about God knowing and the response of those that he knows. Uh, this idea of listening, an important part of, of where we are finding our identity. Yes, I think, I think it's, an, it's a universal urge of all human beings to be known, to be recognised, to be remembered. Uh, Hugh McKay Uh, The social researcher, Australian chap, uh, wrote a book called What Makes Us Tick, and he has uh, 10 desires that uh, um, drive us, if you like. And the one he says that's most important, that that stays with us our whole lives, is the desire to be recognised, to be remembered, to be known. 
And that's what God does for us in Christ. He remembers us. Our names are written in the book of life. He knows our names. Uh, In the John 10 passage you just mentioned, uh, Jesus says uh, he calls his sheep by name. And uh, there's a lovely passage right at the end of John in John chapter 20 where Mary Magdalene comes to the empty tomb, meets Jesus but doesn't recognize him, and then finally comes to recognize who he is when he says to her, Mary. So that personal, intimate knowledge, uh, the fact that he knows her name, uh, ends up being so significant. Brian, your latest book, and you've written a dozen books, but your latest one is called Known by God, A Biblical Theology of Personal Identity. What is it that's captured your imagination with this issue? And you must have seen a need there to be able to correct some misconceptions about personal identity and being known by God. Uh, How do you describe the sorts of things that captivated you to write this book? Well, interestingly, it was from personal experience in a sense. I had what you might call a crisis of identity some 20 years ago or so uh, in a very difficult patch in my life. And uh, knowing God had always been uh, a really important motivation and drive for me. But in one sense, when I was uh, unsettled about my own identity, not knowing who I was, what uh, proved to be of real value to me personally was this idea that God knew me. If I didn't know myself at least God did. It reminds me of uh, the German uh, pastor Dietrich Bonhoeffer that uh, many listeners will have heard of. He was uh, a hero of Kevin Rudd's some years ago. So Bonhoeffer was involved in the plots to kill Hitler in Germany and he was put in prison and just a few months before his execution he knew uh, the writing was on the wall. He wrote a poem called Who Am I? And it's quite an anguished poem in which he repeats the question, who am I, some seven times. He talks about the fact that uh, the guards think he's supremely confident coming out of his cell like a squire uh, in his manner. And, uh, but deep inside, Bonhoeffer's struggling for uh, um, certainty. He's worried about all sorts of things. He's searching for colours and conversation and uh, the uh, blessings of freedom. And the last two lines, it goes like this. He says, uh, who am I? Lonely questions mock me. Who I really am, you know me, I am yours. So like Bonhoeffer, I found great comfort, if you like, in the knowledge that God knew me and gave me this secure and safe identity. Brian, I know that when you talk about your own identity crisis, a lot of people individually have a time, and perhaps everybody goes through those times when they're wondering about their own identity an identity crisis, as you call it. Is it possible that you can have a national identity crisis as well? Because, you know, as we're going through all of these tumultuous times right now, uh, the issues of marriage, the issues of multicultural uh, inclusion, all of those sorts of things that are gripping the uh, headlines these days, is there a sense in which you might even judge the national identity crisis as something worthy of, of, of unpacking? interesting idea. Well, there's a theologian called Kevin Van Hooser who says exactly that, that we're undertaking or undergoing an, a collective identity crisis. Uh, I do think it, it's harder to know who you are than ever before. In the past, the identity forna- uh, formation script was uh, your parents gave you your identity. Uh, you uh, kind of revised it when you were in your adolescence. You might have had a midlife crisis, but that was about it. Uh, These days, uh, the uh, life 
cycle experts talk about all sorts of identity crises throughout our lives. So you can have a thrysis in your 30s. You can have cuspiety, which is a sort of uh, anxiety turning the cusp ages of 30, 40, 50, 60 and so on. Uh, people are living much beyond retirement, of course. And uh, if you found your identity and defined yourself by your occupation, uh, the question arises, who are you when you're retired? So I think there are, as you say, all sorts of reasons to think that we're pretty much at sea when it comes to questions of personal identity. So personal identity, even national identity, I imagine that we could uh, look at the Old Testament story of uh, God taking his people out of Egypt and uh, forming his own people, forming a nation that would identify under him. I imagine that's something we can talk about uh, so far as national identity here. Uh, and there's personal lessons in that as well, Brian. Yes, I think that's right. And, and in one sense, there are lots of legitimate answers to the question, who am I and what defines me? I'm an Australian, I'm male, um, my occupation, um, my family... Uh, status and so on but interestingly the bible says that these things ought not to be given too much weight so paul for example back in galatians says that in christ jesus there's no jew or gentile slave or free even male or female and then in 1 corinthians 7 paul says to uh, the corinthian christians that they ought to live as if they were not married act as if they did not own anything and so on now what that that's not to be taken too literally but what Paul in both of those texts is underscoring is that there's something more fundamental to our identities than our occupations, our gender and uh, our possessions, even our marital statuses. And that, that much more fundamental thing is this idea of being in union with Christ and uh, being God's, uh, part of God's family and being known by him relates to both of those things. Life culture and current events from a biblical perspective 2020 on vision a interesting and perhaps a deeper conversation today and if you're a student of the bible you'll certainly be interested in the sorts of things we are discussing today very important issues around personal identity and what god has to say about our identity our knowing him, but also the lesser talked about, him knowing us. Dr. Brian Rosner is our guest. He's principal of Ridley College in Melbourne. We've been talking about some of the issues that have come out of his new book called Known by God, A Biblical Theology. Brian, when we talk about uh, some issues about being known by God, there's got to be benefits because sometimes we think, uh, well, what's in it for us? And God hasn't left us without the benefits of what it is to identify with him. How do you describe those benefits? Well, I think there are at least three, Neil. Um, uh, being known by God brings comfort. It also helps us to be humble, and it gives our lives significance. So if we just take uh, the first one just to kick off, I guess, uh, the, uh, the pride and humility one, it reminds me, of uh, the story in Genesis of uh, the builders of the Tower of Babel. It says there that they set out to make a name for themselves and to reach for heaven. And that's a pretty good definition of pride, if you like. It's uh, that attempt to establish our own identities, uh, to make our mark on the world. And uh, God's not against some kind of ambition, but there is an ambition where we usurp God's place that is opposed in Scripture. 
And the text that I find really interesting on this score is in Luke chapter 10, where Jesus sends out the 72. They return to him and say, we saw uh, Satan fall from heaven and we had a great time uh, doing all sorts of miracles. And Jesus says to them, don't rejoice in the fact that uh, you saw Satan fall from heaven, but rather rejoice in the fact that your names are written in heaven. So there's this sense in which being known by God, realizing that our names are permanently inscribed in heaven, frees us from that ridiculous urge to make our mark and uh, that destructive pride that can so easily inflict us. So knowing that our names are written in heaven should give us that sense of security and value without having to establish our own identities in ways that uh, are often very harmful to us and others. So it really gives God his rightful place, uh, that he is above all things, that he is, uh, that he is the one who is, uh, is over all and much more powerful than we are. And so the context is that we actually can very comfortably humble ourselves before him. Yes, it reminds us of who we are um, without losing significance, personal significance, because God knows each one of us has our names written in the book of life, which is another consistent teaching in the Bible. It frees us from those destructive urges to focus so tightly on ourselves and to build our own reputations and little kingdoms and just simply to be part of a much bigger story and to recognize our uh, finitude and, and place in the universe. Reminds and, me too, Neil, yep. of uh, the Voyage of the Dawn Treader, one of the chronicles of Narnia. Yep. Uh, there's a wonderful passage where Eustace Clarence Scrub gets turned into a dragon, and uh, Aslan, uh, he says, comes along and de-dragons him. There's this beautiful passage where Lewis describes that as uh, scratching a scab off your knee, which is a, okay. a, a familiar childhood memory, I'm sure. Yep. And uh, once he gets de-dragoned, he comes to his cousin, Edmund and says, Edmund, uh, do you know Aslan? And uh, Edmund responds, well, he knows me. So again, there's that lovely um, emphasis on uh, identity as a gift and the wonder of being known by the God of the universe, uh, which Lewis obviously knew very well himself. So we've got this uh, humility that comes from knowing our context, uh, that God is God and that we are uh, finite uh, as humanity. What about this idea of uh, the comfort that comes by being known by God? Yes, well, I I think it's um, a universal human experience when people suffer uh, to want to be known. And uh, uh, when you're in the midst of suffering, one of the problems is you feel that no one really knows what's going on for you. I mean, counsellors obviously talk about these things, to having an empathetic response to people and people in trouble often to look, look to friends legitimately to give them that sense of reassurance that they're known in their suffering. I think it's very significant that in the Bible, in a text like Nahum 1 verse 7, it says, the Lord is good a stronghold in the day of trouble. He knows those who take refuge in him. So there's this reassurance that God knows us in the midst of our suffering. Just being known by God in the midst of hardship and difficulty and disappointment doesn't solve everything, but it is this kind of foundational thing that stops us from having a destructive pessimism that could uh, um, eventually engulf us. And interestingly, right through the Bible... God does know his people in the most difficult of circumstances. So in slavery in Egypt, in Exodus chapter 2, it says uh, 
that God knew his people in those circumstances. In exile, God knew his people. And uh, at the other points uh, in the Bible where people are suffering considerably, there's this reassurance that God knows us. And there's this third point uh, out of uh, these benefits uh, to being known by God. The idea that God gives our lives significance because there's been a, a, a push hasn't there I mean this whole idea it used to be uh, back to the perhaps the 60s 70s I did it my way and that was in some ways a, a rebellion against the idea of submitting to God uh, but these days with so many people constructing as we've been saying their own identities uh, and the search for significance people are writing books uh, after books after this whole idea of searching after what it is that makes you feel significant. What is it, uh, Brian, being known by God that gives our lives significance? Well, the first thing to say is that uh, it's understandable that people feel insignificant. Uh, The truth is we're just like a grain of sand on a seashore uh, in the grand scheme of things. And as much as we like to establish ourselves through uh, our achievements and our possessions, it's all pretty fleeting. Um, I sometimes ask students that I teach, how many of you know the first name of your great-grandmother on your mother's side, for example? And very few do. So in 50 years' time, we'll all be forgotten, which means that our fleeting lives in the scheme of things seem pretty insignificant. Uh, But being known by God does give our lives significance for this very reason, that uh, the the one who, who knows us best Uh, holds our identity safe with him. Reminds me of a wonderful text in Colossians chapter 3 where Paul says, our life is hidden with Christ in God. So just a a, a wonderful uh, affirmation of our significance. So my identity, your identity, for all those who believe in Christ, is kept safe in God. And the text goes on to say uh, that uh, when Christ is revealed, we will be revealed with him in glory. So our true identities as children of God are kept safe in him and we're, we're part of something much bigger than ourselves. God God knows us and keeps us secure in that sense. Uh, Brian, as we continue to unpack some of these things so very important, uh, the idea of having our identity in God or in Christ, it actually affects our behaviour. How do you describe the ways that uh, identity uh, change and uh, and affect the way that we behave, the way we conduct ourselves. Well, well, certainly, uh, Neil. The the idea that uh, um, conduct, how you behave, flows from your identity is is one we're all familiar with. Um, if uh, uh, the Bible uses all sorts of descriptions for different people, righteous, unrighteous, wise, foolish, and so on, and uh, people know. Uh, from their own experience, those kind of behaviours in their lives and in the lives of others. So the question is, how do we get an identity which will flow through to godly behaviours, behaviours that will be good for us and other people? And the the notion of being known by God helps us here because, in a sense, we're recognising that identity is a gift, that God gives us our identity in Christ. And and as we mentioned earlier, being known by God is connected to the idea that we're God's children. And as God's children, um, that identity comes with certain behaviours. So we're to be loving because our Father in heaven is loving. We're to be forgiving, compassionate, kind, committed to justice, all those things, those behaviours, that conduct, because uh, 
of uh, the fact that we're in this relationship with God and he knows us. We are taking calls on 1-800-316-316. You can join in our conversation today. Uh, Brian, let's take a call from Jeff in Logan Home in Queensland. Hello, Jeff. Welcome along. Hi. Blessings to you both. Thank you, Jeff. What are your thoughts Hi, on our conversation? Well, I was thinking about how reputation forms identity for many people. It's what people say about us. Um, we start to believe what people say and we, we develop that as our identity. I can remember back when I was a youth leader many, many years ago, back in the 70s, and then I was a spectacular youth leader and so on and so on. Then I became a pastor and I was the comforting pastor and, and I accepted those as my identity. Now, I'm the old guy who knows a bit, but it's more than what people say about us. We sometimes build our identity on our function, our behaviours. People say, oh, but I'm useless at this, I can't do that, I can't do the other, and they take that on as a, their identity. Sometimes also we take on identity from our office. You know, I'm the pastor, I'm the teacher, I'm the lecturer, and that becomes identity. But as you're both saying, what God says about us is our essential identity. And if we can... And God understands that while we are his treasured possession, we are his children, we are forgiven, he also understands our weaknesses and our failings. Jeff, and some so, great thoughts in there. Let's get a response from our special guest. Brian, what are your thoughts for Jeff today? Uh, thanks very much, Jeff. I agree with everything you've said. I think uh, it's um, very human and very uh, natural for us to look um, uh, for the approval of other people. And the book of Proverbs uh, affirms that having a good reputation is a very valuable thing. As you say, though, uh, defining yourself around your reputation, what others think of you, is, is a bit of a shaky thing to do, and it can lead to disappointment. Um, if you define yourself in terms of your occupation, uh, so at some point you'll retire or be made redundant. If you define yourself in terms of your possessions, uh, these things uh, can be uh, unstable as well. And in one sense, being known by God answers that longing uh, for affirmation in that God tells us uh, that we belong to him. He knows us as his own uh, very children. And that's something that can't change. So it's a very firm foundation on which to build your identity. Whereas the other things you've mentioned are significant and important, uh, but they're not, uh, in the end, ultimate Thank you so much to Jeff from Logan Home. Our talkback line is open on 1-800-316-316. 1-800-316-316 to be part of our conversation today. Uh, Brian, if we continue to talk along these sorts of lines, uh, reputation and uh, careers that we might choose or that are chosen for us that actually give us these sorts of uh, reputations and our identity is sort of formed around that, you're saying that's sort of shaky. Uh, the idea that sometimes it's a DIY identity that we uh, understand ourselves or what others try to tell us about ourselves insofar as that reputation. And then you have this third dimension, uh, this identity that God gives to us. Uh, the only one of those that's not shaky is the one that comes from God, isn't it? 
Yes, I think that's right. Uh, but it's, it's also important to realise that it's, it's not that our identity is given to us and that's the end of it. We have to, to use the, the language of the New Testament, put on that new identity and the conduct that comes along with it. So putting on Christ is the way that Paul puts it in his letters. And there's one sense in which we need to know ourselves as we are known by God. And uh, that's a lifelong task. So even though it's completely by grace that we're God's children known by him, there is still something left for us to do in cooperation with God, namely to, uh, uh, to inhabit that new identity. We were talking a little earlier about listening and in relation to Jesus the Good Shepherd and uh, my sheep hear my voice. They're listening to the voice of the one who gives identity. When we talk about listening, and as you say, there's a certain sense in which there's a function. There's a uh, a practical way and outworking. It's a uh, an obedience to God. Uh, does that come, though, from this sort of desire of the heart to be identified or is that just something that's a, like a mechanical behaviour that actually creates this identity? What are your thoughts on, on some of those issues? Well, I think, uh, the, as I was saying, that there's, there's a need for us to respond to the identity and to live in accordance with our new identity. And uh, in one sense, Christian behaviour is knowing who you are in Christ, uh, putting on that new identity, dressing accordingly and living in a way that's uh, in keeping with that. So uh, the, the, the Reformation, of course, we're celebrating 500 years this year. One of the great truths of the Reformation was uh, that we're saved by grace alone. And the doctrine of being known by God underscores that completely because it's something out of our hands. Our names are written in the book of life before the foundation of the world. So there's not something we can take credit for. Uh, but nonetheless, that, that uh, being saved by grace, uh, not by works, doesn't mean that there are no good works for us to do. So, uh, in, in fact, God created us for good works, which is laid out before us. Sometimes uh, I think some people might be thinking uh, there's an issue with conformism here. And uh, the idea of conforming to a rigid identity is what a lot of people try to rebel against, uh, even from the idea of, you know, uh, I'll drive one brand of car over another or uh, I want to live in a house that's got five bedrooms instead of uh two-bedroom unit. I mean, the idea of uh, the way that we might decorate our, our uh, houses, our, our, the sorts of artwork that we might put on our walls. Is there room for uh, this idea of still having uh, personal identity traits uh, in, at the same time being conformed to the things of God? What are your thoughts on, on how far is too far and what, what does it look like when you are conformed uh, to this image that God has given to us in Christ? Yes, I think it's, um, it's a mistake to think that what we're talking about is conformity and the kind of constricted existence that uh, means we all have to be the same as each other. That, that's certainly not the Bible's perspective. And even though the Bible says that ethnicity and gender and possessions and those things are not ultimate in defining ourselves, there is a sense in which the sort of person I will be uh, before God as one known by him as one of his children will be different if I'm one ethnicity or another, one nationality or another. Uh, it'll determine uh, the kind of man I will become. So there's a sense in which by inhabiting, by putting on that new identity, it makes a difference to the really deeper issues of life, our, our, our conduct in, in every respect. And, and that certainly doesn't mean that we don't have our own stories 
that uh, our lives will have uh, their uh, ups and downs and uh, we'll make decisions that make a difference for our own stories, but we're part of a bigger story as well. So we've got this idea of a flourishing life, which doesn't look the same as everybody, but there are some conformity things that are a part of the depths of our character, the things that are forming our identity that cause us to behave in different ways. Let's move on, and we'll take some more calls in just a few moments, but let's move on to another really important aspect here, because uh, we can read these things in the Scriptures, uh, we can become conformed in some sense uh, to the identity that we might have in Christ, uh, but we're going to be part of probably a local church that's encouraging us along this way. How about regular activities in church life, Brian? Are they important for us to be thinking about as we're, uh, as we are, uh, in fact, uh, finding our identity in God? Oh, indeed. And I think uh, we're used to thinking about the regular activities of church and the Christian life as means to coming to know God. And there's certainly truth to that. We pray to God to know him better. We hear and read the Bible uh, likewise. Uh, We sing uh, to express our devotion to God. But there's also a sense in which all of those activities we do in, in church teach us not only about God, but about ourselves. So if you think about baptism, for example... Baptism is an identity-forming event. It's us saying that we identify with Christ, with his death and resurrection. Uh, We have the memory of his death, and we take that on for ourselves, that we're dead to self-interest, and uh, we look forward to his destiny, and we have a part in his destiny, the resurrection of our bodies. The same goes for the communion service or the Lord's Supper, however it's labelled in different people's churches. At that point, we remember... Christ, but in in one sense we remember ourselves too as those who become uh, um, identified with Christ. So eating the bread and drinking the wine or the grape juice reminds us that uh, Christ is in us and his life is our life. Just one more example would be saying the creed. Um, A lot of churches still say the creed and Hillsong has a great song um, about uh, the creed that was uh, released uh, just last year. What we do when we say the creed is we know ourselves as God knows us. We, we identify with a certain story, and by doing that, we're saying we're not part of another story. So uh, when we say the creed, I believe in God the Father, the creator of heaven and earth, and so on, uh, which goes on to affirm uh, the events of Christ's death and resurrection, we say that that's the story I'm a part of, uh, not the story of materialistic hedonism, uh, not the story of uh, uh, living simply for myself. We're taking calls 1-800-316-316. Let's take a call. Graham is in Tasmania. Hello, Graham. Welcome uh, hello. along. You know, uh, Romans chapter 1 uh, tells you exactly what's happening in this in our own country this day, that we've got these people, haters of God, and perverted and... Uh, we need to know the Bible, which is inspired word of God, and understand it, and to turn to God, because this world is heading for destruction. Uh, Graham, interesting thoughts. Uh, your response for Graham, Brian, on the idea that uh, this maybe this identity crisis we're going through right now is a result of a people turning their back or ignoring the things of God. Well, well, I think that that's certainly true. And in every generation, there's a sense in which human beings rebel against God. 
and uh, it has consequences. I suppose in response to Graham, I would say we need to trust God for the future of his world. It's his world. He has a plan for the world, and we're a part of it. We just need to make sure that we understand our part in his plans and to undertake that faithfully. Thank you so much to Graham from Tasmania. Let's hear from Jonathan in Perth. Hello, Jonathan. Welcome along. Yes. Jonathan, what are your thoughts? I mean, the last speaker before this one, we were talking about identity. We are being identified with Christ. But yet the Bible says that we should not forget the assembly. Coming together, we are identified with one another, and we are complete in Christ Jesus. So any person who wants to disassociate yourself with any organization to say that I'm not part of them, then you are cutting yourself off from Christ also. Because we are one in the body. We are connected to the vine. According to John 15, he is a vine. And we are the branches. So it is for the body. The body has many members, but they are all connected to one part. And they are doing the function. So you can't disassociate with other ones. And they say I'm important in this one, but this one I'm not there. No. Jonathan, good thoughts in there. The idea of uh, of not neglecting the gathering together of the assembly, uh, not neglecting actually worship one with another. Your thoughts, Brian? Well, I think uh, Jonathan's put his finger on something very important, namely that um, identity is both individual and corporate. So we need to answer the questions um, both who am I and then also who are we? And uh, the West is uh, very individualistic in this regard. People think that they need to shun outside influences in order to find themselves and design themselves and so on. But the truth is that uh, human beings are uh, uh, corporate and uh, um, um, indebted to each other and connected to each other in profound ways. So so finding your own identity is um, an important thing, but being part of something bigger than yourself is just as important. And the body of Christ, as Jonathan said, is of fundamental importance in this regard, in that in being known by God, he knows us as individuals, but he also knows us as a body. Thank you so much to Jonathan in Perth in WA. Uh, One more quick call. Let's hear from Shelby in Sunnybank in Queensland. Hello, Shelby. Hello, Neil, uh, Brian. Yeah, mate, um, I, um, I, I have always tried to be, um, um, well, I'm told that I'm a unique person in, in God, but I believe God makes each one of us uniquely. Um, and, and if I just say this, I'm not perfect. Um, I'm still a work in God. But people often say to me, oh, dear, you're cheerful, you're, spi- you're spiritual, you're, you're, you're dedicated, you have lots of enthusiasm and, and different things. But I, I still say to myself, um, um, I'm a disciple in God's image, and um, it's just I've got to work within that Holy Spirit and the gift of the grace of salvation that's given to me. And, and I, I, I just think that people have forgotten this in so many areas. Um, and, Shelby, um, good thoughts in there. Let's uh, hear Brian's thoughts on uh, being uh, created in God's image. We are all unique. Uh, indeed. Um, there, there's... Uh and this is the wonderful thing, of course, as Shelby pointed out, Neil, that uh, even though God created every one of us um, as a race and as uh, as humanity, there's a sense in which each one of us is individual and unique. Um, and uh, the Bible teaches very clearly that God knows each one of our names and uh, that he has us in his, 
his mind and when we suffer things he knows all about it i love the passage in the psalms which says that he collects our tears in a bottle and the passage in malachi 3 uh, where people are suffering and god says that he's writing a book about our lives so uh, there's no sense in which being known by god uh, rids us of our individuality on the contrary it affirms us in our own uh, particular significance uh, the fact that uh, um, we have uh, significance before him is, is of great comfort. Life, Culture and Current Events from a Biblical Perspective, 2020 on Vision. Well, time is almost out and uh, our guest this hour has been Dr. Brian Rosner. He's principal of Ridley College in Melbourne. His latest book is called Known by God, A Biblical Theology of Personal Identity. Uh, the book, uh, it's been out for a while. Brian, uh, how's things going? Are you getting good response? <laughs> it only came out a week ago now. Well, there you go. Okay. So at, at the moment, there's no response. All right. So it truly is new. And uh, look, it's a, it's a deeper read than uh, what you might ordinarily find uh, on the bookshelves in some Christian bookstores. So what sort of people are most likely to benefit from having a read of your new book? Well, I, I think uh, it's an important book for pastors and for students in theological colleges, uh, but it's not overly technical, so any uh, serious uh, Christian who, who likes to read, I think, would benefit from it. Um, it it's, it's a very personal book, which is appropriate to the topic, of course, and uh, I wrote it out of the motivation that I found the truth of being known by God so comforting myself, as I mentioned earlier in our conversation. Uh, as it turns out, J.I. Packer in his book, uh, Known, Knowing God, actually says that there's unspeakable comfort in being known by God. So the book's an attempt to speak about the unspeakable. Uh, now, there's a lot of other books that you have written. I think uh, I mentioned that you'd written about a dozen books. Uh, you're also the author of the New Dictionary of Biblical Theology. You're the author of the Pillar Commentary on First Corinthians, The Consolations of Theology, Greed as Idolatry, and another book called Paul and the Law. Uh, lots of great fodder there to be talking about uh, over uh, some times to come. I'm, no doubt we'll have another opportunity in the near future to have another uh, conversation, Brian. But uh, just to mention, too, you're also going to be the keynote speaker giving the new college lecture at the University of New South Wales on the topic of personal identity. That's coming up on the 12th to the 14th of September. So for Sydney listeners, simply be in contact with New College, the University of New South Wales, to be able to uh, ensure you've got a place in the audience there. You're also going to be in North Queensland at the North Queensland Christian Convention that's coming up on the 30th of September. Uh, your book's available in Christian bookstores or you can get a hold of it online. Just remember the title, Known by God, a Biblical Theology of Personal Identity. The author is Dr. Brian Rosner. Brian, thanks so much for taking time to talk to us today on 2020. Been a pleasure. Thank you, Neil. Before you go, thanks for listening. There's lots more great audio on demand, or you can listen to us live at visionradio.org.au. And remember, Vision is listener-supported. Your donation, large or small, will help us continue connecting faith to life for hundreds of thousands of people across Australia and around the world. Learn more or donate today at visionradio.org.au.